0: Coming up on Golf Today, Tony Finau, where he be now? How about joining us in moments, part of the star power in the desert at the WM Phoenix Open. And wait till you hear the story about the million dollar ace involving Sam Ryder, WM and a gym. It's a tale almost too good to be true. And a closer look at Justin Rose fresh off his win at Pebble. Is he already World Golf Hall of Fame worthy or does he need to do more? We always do more on Golf Today. What a great way to start the day hanging out the 16th hole here at TPC Scottsdale our team will be here all week long for the WM Phoenix Open which in some ways has never felt bigger than this week in Scottsdale Arizona gorgeous day sun is high the pool is Luke as some might say this is golf today a Hack alongside a Lynch of Golf Week Magazine. I'm so excited I can hardly speak. We drove here yesterday. It was a little bit sleepy, kind of quiet in the morning. The dark. drive today was a little bit more traffic, a little more... Ambient noise. We got helicopters over our shoulders. I mean, things are about to get real here at the
1: WM Phoenix Open. And even with the helicopter noise you hear, her this is as quiet as this Coliseum is going to get all week long. I mean, the lions haven't arrived yet to start eating their prey. That comes later in the week. But this place is going to be rocking probably by tomorrow in the pro-am. No question about it. Let's get the folks
0: uh, up to speed on what you need to know on this Tuesday. Why don't we start with the world number one, Rory McIlroy? I mean, why not? This week, Rory makes his first PJ Tour start of calendar 2023 his last win on the PGA Tour coming in October at the CJ Cup. What a win it was. Rory also won his last worldwide start. That was the hero Dubai Desert Classic by one shot over Patrick Reed. Also in the field, world number two, Scotty Scheffler comes to Scottsdale as the defending champ. You might have forgotten, last year he beat Patrick Cantlay of UCLA on the third playoff hole for his first PGA Tour win. Went on to win three more times, including the Masters, and was named the PGA Tour Player of the Year. And perhaps the hottest player coming into the week is world number three, John Rahm. In his last seven starts, the former Arizona State Sun Devil has won four times around the world, making a strong push to reclaim that world number one spot. You have to believe he thinks he's the best player in the world right now Went to college just down the road from TPC Scottsdale. Best finish here, by the way, was as an amateur T5 in
1: 2015. And Damon, the talent pool here goes a lot deeper than one, two, and three. Here we can see, based since the inception of the World Golf Rankings, this is the strongest field that the WM Phoenix Open has ever had. Eight of the top ten in the world. That matches the record set 22 years ago. More top 25 players than ever before. And 37 of the top 50 players in the world. Also a record here, which kind of speaks to the depth of the first designated full-field event on the PGA Tour. And make no mistake, the players are talking about it. The
0: coaches are talking about it. At dinner last night with Steve Dalby, who works with Troy Merritt, And Sean O'Hare, he lives in Scottsdale, does, Steve. He says that it's the talking point, the strength of the field, the increase in the purse. This is not 1932 Ralph Goodall beating John Pirelli by five shots. We've come a long way from the 1930s. I've been coming here since 2002, Eamon. It feels very, very different. It does feel designated, and I think the players
1: are embracing it. This is a very, very big week on the PGA Tour. It is. Nothing has changed much if you're a spectator or a fan. You're still talking about... Uh, a tournament that's a party vibe. Mm. It's really party central out here. It's it's the biggest week in town, essentially. Even without the Super Bowl, it's the biggest week in town. But a lot has actually changed for the players mm. who are here. We talked yesterday about how not all players have embraced the kind of vibe here. A lot of players steered away from the tournament because they're too easily distracted, yeah. I guess. But the money is the big thing that has changed this year. And let's take a look at the payouts this year versus last year. And it's an enormous difference in the actual prize money. It's a $20 million putt. It's a $3.6 million payout. Last year's payout was a fraction of the $3.6 million. It was a little bit more than a million four that was paid out last year. So you can see there's an enormous difference in terms of what's at stake for the players here. And that's That's gonna be an interesting dynamic to watch on this weekend, Damon, in terms of their tolerance for the tomfoolery that's out here. Because it is easily distracting for some guys. I suppose it depends when it happens. It adds to great theater, and we are in for a week of great theater. One of my favorite uh, Paul Azinger lines is that players choke for cash and they choke for prestige.
0: And I think there's a lot of both this week in the Arizona desert, in the Valley of the Sun. And I think you're gonna see, I think, the cream of the crop really rise to the top. We see it in the FedEx Cup playoffs. You tend to get the likes of, of Rory McIlroy or in times past, years past, Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, you know, dueling, you know, Xander Schauffele. I feel like you're going to see that kind of vibe here in terms of the best players with all the money at stake and FedEx Cup points and trying to get your year off to a fantastic start, knowing that the players is coming up and the majors are coming up. I just feel like we're going to be into a, a Rory, Rahm, Scheffler, Finau type of weekend. Call me crazy, I'm
1: going chalk all the way, amen. And that would be a great dynamic here as well because Roy McIlroy is one of the guys who's never played here much, predominantly because he tended to start his year in the Middle East, right. more so than on American soil. He's only played here once. Patrick Cantley, who was a runner-up last year, also only played this tournament once over the years as well. We have a guy like John Rahm who's played it every year. Tony Finau mm. making his eighth start here as well. Justin Thomas making his, I believe, ninth start here this year. So, some guys have really got a lot of deep experience of what happens here and how to tune out the ample potential for distraction and focus on the job at hand. A lot of guys don't have as much experience doing that, and to me, that just adds another layer to what's already going to be. A fairly pressure-packed situation, given what's actually at stake, just in financial terms.
0: How are we doing blocking out the distractions? The helicopters in the wind. Are we doing all right so far? Well, you almost let it get away from you there right I now. I think it was, it, it was a bogey on one save. for me. All right. Well, someone who started his year right. How about Justin Rose on Monday at Pebble Beach? Nice little tidy three-shot victory final round of 66. And after his round, the 11-time PGA Tour winner cut up with our own Todd Lewis.
2: Here with the champion, and Justin, we talked last night as the sun was setting, uh, and they suspended play. And you said you wanted to come out here on Monday and have a clean round. That was sparkling. What was the formula working for you out there today?
3: Yeah, um, that was obviously. I wanted to stay on the front foot. I knew some guys were going to make a run. Um, the tenth hole of the day, or my first hole of the day, the tenth hole. You know, it was the ball didn't go anywhere. Hit, hit, pitched in the middle of the green, spun off to the front edge, patted up, left myself five feet. You know, I just felt like this is exactly how I started the day before, you know, but I was able to make that five footer and I wanted to keep it clean. I wanted to get off on the front foot today. So making that first five footer of the day, I felt was huge. And then rolling in a 30 footer right on top of our number 11 kind of was exactly what I was looking for. And uh, yeah, I was able to build on that and, you know, kind of made a couple of other nice putts for momentum around the middle of the back nine. And You know, took a a look at the leaderboard and, uh, you know, realized a couple of the guys were still hanging in there. You know, Brendan Todd got it to 15. So, I knew that, uh, you know, I needed to continue to play well. But, you know, birdies, I guess, at uh, 13 and 14, I knew put me in a great position. And then then it was about just keeping, like you said, keeping it clean. And I even said to my caddy, Josh, on the 18th hole, I said, listen, I know I've got a 3 shot lead, but I want to keep it clean up the last hole. You know, you're going to play the hole defensively and conservatively. Of course you are. But... I didn't want to, like, limp up there and, you know, make a six or something. I wanted to finish with three good shots, a couple good putts, and and move on. So Mm -hmm. keeping it clean was a good word. You know, I've been working hard, and, uh, you know, know, props to all of my team who have kept believing in me probably more than I believe in myself. You know, they've all been pushing me forward and uh, working hard alongside me. And sometimes you just do need a result as well. You know, you can kind of believe that you're making progress, but, yeah, there's nothing like uh, lifting some hardware to kind of give you that peace of mind and, uh, like, that, that little bit of confidence
0: a closer look at the resume of the 42-year-old Englishman. See 11 wins on the PGA Tour, including the 2013 US Open at Marion Olympic gold medalist. 11 DP World Tour wins, a FedEx Cup champ, won the DP World Tour money title back in 07. And yes, a former world number one who was the recipient of the Payne Stewart Award as well for his general citizenship and charity. I tell you what, it is a,
1: a resume, I think, to, to envy. But is it a Hall of Fame resume in your mind? That's a resume that's got him on the threshold of the Hall of Fame, but the door isn't open Mm. quite yet. He's ticked almost every box. I would argue he probably needs one more big win, a major championship, possibly a players' championship, or two, three, four more regular PGA Tour wins. Mm. And it's remarkable how agonizingly close he is to it. I mean, he's been runner-up in three majors twice at Augusta National. But to me, the real testament of, of a guy like Justin Rose is there's a horses for courses argument in this game, and he wins on extremely difficult, yeah. challenging golf courses. And you take a look at his resume over the years and exactly where Justin Rose has actually claimed those victories, even all the way back to his amateur days. He won on the old course in St. Andrews, but Huntingdale in Australia, Aaron Merion, Congressional, Colonial, now at Pebble Beach, and you see several of those courses in there. If you're looking for a little sentimental tip, Damon, Aaron Amink, Marion, Merion, where Justin Rose won his US Open, and Pebble Beach, those are all U.S. Open venues. Yes. This year, in the world of golf, only one U.S. Open venue is hosting a major championship, Ooh. and it's hosting the PGA Championship, which is Oak Hill. Lee Trevino won a U.S. Open at Oak Hill. Lee Trevino also won his U.S. Open at Marion's. So maybe there's a little squaring of the circle here with Justin Rose going forward, but great champions win on great courses, and Justin Rose does that.
0: No question about it. Also won at Muirfield Village and Torrey Pines as well, two more fantastic, tough, stout tests of golf. To me, he's a little bit short at this point. 11 wins, I think of Fred Couples' With 15 wins, including the Masters. Marco Mira, 16 wins, including two major championships. Does it make a difference though that
1: Freddie was, you know, obviously never won an Olympic gold medal, never won a FedEx Cup? How much does that count towards the game argument To me, he was a dominant number one in the
0: early 1990s. 1992 especially, when he started off the year winning at Bay Hill, winning at Riviera, winning the Masters. I think that Justin Rose needs a stretch of golf like that. He was number one player in the world for 13 weeks was never really a dominant number one. I, I think if, if you asked him, you would probably agree with that assessment. But at the age of 42, we're seeing players, VJ Singh, Kenny Perry, Steve Stricker, Tiger Woods,
1: Jack Nicklaus play into their 40s and be successful. Phil Mickelson. When does he Majors, have enough time, you think? I mean, I he I has, think has he had does. back issues in the past. He seems healthy now, but he has had health issues. Does Justin Rose have enough time to get to the Hall of Fame? I think he does.
0: Coming off this win at Pebble Beach, which I think is a big win, told me that he believes there's still greatness within his body and that he still has great things he thinks he needs to accomplish. He told me years ago he wants a cherry on top of the Sunday. And whether it's a major championship, get that second major, uh, is it gonna be four more PGA Tour wins? I think 15 is a very good number for him considering Fred Couples is in already and and, and O'Meara with 16. I just feel like he needs a little bit more on the resume that, that says dominance to me. 2016 not taking anything away from the Olympic gold medal, that was kind of the year where a lot of the best players in the world didn't want to play in the Olympics and chose not to play in the Olympics and and later rude that decision, seeing how wonderful the Olympics in Rio ended up being. So I just feel like he needs a few more big Sundays against the best players in the world to show a little bit more of that Dominance to me, the, the World Golf Hall of Fame screams dominance. Colin Montgomery was dominant on the DP World Tour. Do you and think in it also Ryder rewards
1: Cup. consistency as well or, or longevity? Author, mm. should there be points are given for that? because yeah. there aren't that many dominant guys in this game. That's true. The revolving door. Justin Rose was a revolving door number one yes. back in that era as well. So he, he does have longevity going on his side. It's been. There's been a lot of scar tissue since he was a 17-year-old who hold that wedge shot at Berkdale 25 years ago. He's classy.
0: I just think that the, the World Golf Hall of Fame should be a small table. And I think that I don't want a compiler. I want, I want consistent greatness. And I think in this era of golf, if you're in your early 40s, you are by no means done. And I think Justin Rose has a great opportunity to show over the next two or three years that a borderline Hall of Famer can be a lead pipe lock Hall of Famer.
1: i would agree with that i do think there's time left i do think the table has already grown perhaps bigger than it should yes, have i, I think the so Fame, as well. but justin rose is not far off there he's yes. at least you know pulling his chair up to the table he's not quite getting the place setting yet
0: yes and perhaps another Ryder
1: cup in his future as well and speaking of the Ryder cup how about a member of the
0: united states Ryder cup team and president's cup team tony Finau? Where where you be now about to join us at the wm phoenix open
5: Guaranteed.
0: Welcome back to golf today. We are live right here on the 16th hole at TPC Scottsdale for the WM Phoenix Open. We expect to see fireworks later on in the week and maybe some fireworks during the practice rounds as well. You'd never, never know, but well, we know a lot about the narrative in this game and how it can change very quickly as it has for this man, Tony Fina. Let's flashback. This was 2020 Looking for a second PJ Tour win here at the WM 72nd hole to win. He just missed the putts and a playoff. Webb Simpson would bury a birdie putt to win the event. Right to left swinger. And, and, and Webb went crazy over the last few holes. Able to catch Tony Finau and defeat him in a playoff. Which led to some people
1: asking the question, when will Big Tone get win number two? didn't have to wait too long, Dame. In August 2021 at the Northern Trust, which was a FedEx Cup playoff event, Tony caught fire in the back nine, shot a five under par 30, and then beat Cameron Smith in a great sudden death playoff. And that was his first win in five years. After that, he started to build on it. Last year, the wins continued to stack up pretty quickly for Tony, starting at the 3M Open. He was 17 under par for the week. It was pretty impressive that he made only three bogeys, 72 holes. And then the very next week, Took a short journey to Detroit, same result. Tony went back to back, winning the Rocket Mortgage Classic by a whopping five strokes. Running away with a trophy, Damon.
0: If you think Tony was done, think again. Greatness is greedy. Earlier in this season, rode his hot streak for a fifth PJ Tour win at the Cadence Bank, Houston Open. His recent results have been, I'd say, strong to quite strong. You see the victory in Houston. Just to cut it, Matt Coba, but a bunch of top tens, hero world challenge, century tournament of champions, and the Farmers Insurance
1: Open. Third win in 11 starts when he won in Houston. Doesn't so long ago that we were having, six months ago, we were having a conversation saying what happened to Tony I mean, now because the results seem to have plateaued from the, the walking ATM phase, where oh. he was a top ten machine every week. And then he went through a sort of a flatline period. We yeah. had that conversation. Uh, somewhere, and then suddenly the guy goes on a hot streak. Yeah, he's too nice. When is he going to get it done?
0: And, and now he's become one of the sure things in the game. I said at the end of last year, I thought he's one of those players who will be a lock for the Ryder Cup and the President's Cup because he's performed in those events, because he is a, a likable locker room guy. Yeah. He hits the ball. He plays the modern game. But the belief that
1: he has right now, that is a mighty 15th club. It really is, and you've got to figure, it, at a certain point, that had started to erode when you came as close as Tony Finau was coming week in, week out on the PGA Tour. And it's not as though Tony Finau was getting wobbly on weekends. Yeah. Tony Finau was repeatedly beaten by guys who were playing better yeah. on Sunday, who really delivered. The number of times Tony Finau shot sub-70 rounds on Sunday and still got pipped at the post was pretty remarkable. It wasn't just a, a nerves situation. When you're playing against the best in the world and trying to clip them, when it matters on Sunday afternoon. That's a hard thing to actually do. And that was to me the interesting thing about watching him go on that hot run last year is how does he then translate that into something like a, a, a yeah. designated event here? Because Tony Finau has proven he can beat the best players in the world. Yes. When you do that in a FedEx Cup event, you've beaten the best of the best. This is another opportunity for him to do so.
0: He's proven his comfort level here and Tony Finau joins us now. On this Tuesday, big tone. We appreciate the time. How have you turned your own narrative
6: from close call to wrecking ball? <laughs> Thanks, guys, uh, for having me on. Well, yeah, after listening to you guys uh, explain it for a little bit, um, I'm no stranger to adversity. You know, really, just throughout my life, and um, I've always been one of those that uh, you know, when you get knocked down, you just got to keep standing up and fighting. And uh, I've always had that belief in myself that uh, you know I can play well on a big stage. And And win golf tournaments and um, you know at times it did get difficult but um, you got to push through and I think just again just not being any stranger to adversity throughout my life and throughout my career um, I've always tried to keep a positive attitude and and it's helped me over this last year to to stack up
1: some wins Tony have your internal expectations changed any given what's happened in the last six months when you had those back-to-back wins and you've suddenly become the guy who's taken away the trophy on Sunday afternoons. Do you change what you expect from yourself week in, week out now?
6: Yeah, I think my, my mindset has changed just in that, uh, you know, I've learned a lot on how to win a golf tournament. You know, I, I didn't have as much um, of that experience. You know, I put myself in that situation many times and wasn't able to do it. But doing it three times in, in seven starts after I won in Houston, you um, I think it just gave me that extra belief that i know how to win a golf tournament i know how to close out a golf tournament you know i came from behind and won i was leading throughout a whole tournament and won and um so i've won in different different ways um but i think it just gives me that that extreme confidence to to know that i can win and and so yeah my expectations do um change a little bit internally just in that uh when i put myself in that situation um, i expect to perform and um and win golf tournaments
0: We've heard athletes across sports for Time Memorial describe the elation in winning. How would you describe the elation in winning in your chosen sport?
6: Yeah, the satisfaction that comes from winning. Um, there's just that, that fulfillment um, of all the work that's put in. And to lift a trophy at the end of the week is is a pretty amazing feeling. Um, and you, the thing is that it drives you to want to become more successful want to win more and um, that's the cool part about winning you know it's you never you never get tired of it and especially in this in this sport you know it takes a team I've had so many people that have supported me throughout my career and throughout my life Um, but you're the individual that's out there performing and um, there's just that satisfaction that comes from playing an individual sport and and winning a golf tournament that I think is uh, pretty indescribable
1: tony right now we can see you're out in one of the quieter corners of the golf course behind us here it's where the zoo happens come <laughs> this weekend and you're a guy who embraces the vibe out here do you think it will be a hurdle for some guys who aren't necessarily as attuned to how to deal with the the noise and the distractions and the party atmosphere yeah no question
6: i feel like it's a hurdle for um a lot of guys it's not a normal week for us you know this is the energy The amount of people the type of crowd that we draw for this event Um, it's a lot to deal with you know on 16 17 18 coming down the stretch either to uh, close a tournament or you know for your first time or um, you know I think a a lot of guys because it's an elevated event a lot of guys have chosen not to play it but they are here this week and um, it'll be interesting to see how how guys um, deal with it but I do think that there's a little bit of a hurdle um, for some guys that either haven't played it often or um, are just not used to that type of energy.
0: Tony, we're showing a video of you uh, from a few years ago when Kobe Bryant passed away. You honored him by wearing the jersey, and you talked about the Mamba mentality. I'm amazed how many times I go on Instagram and success goat or Mamba mentality will pop onto my phone, and I'm watching this treasure trove of Kobe Bryant videos, his speeches. How much do you still kind of do that as well, lean on Kobe's mentality from back in the day?
6: Yeah, I've always been a big Kobe fan. That was a cool way to... Um, kind of honor him back uh, you know back when the we heard of the sad news and you know this tournament was played just a week after he passed in 2020 so <laughs> it was a way to pay homage to one of my NBA favorites um, arguably my NBA NBA all-time favorite but um, I definitely draw draw an inspiration from from Kobe you know I've, I've heard a lot of new talks and uh, interviews from him that people are just now releasing um, things that I've never heard from Kobe so my my fandom has actually grown. I feel like <laughs> over these last couple of years since he's passed, just in hearing so many of his great quotes and just how great, I think, um, of an ambassador he has been for um, a lot of great athletes and myself included.
1: Tony, you mentioned that this is the first full field designated event on the PGA Tour. I'm curious how much players are aware of how much more is at stake, just in the raw financial terms, because last year, the winner earned just under $1.5 million. This year, the winner's earning almost $3.5 million. That's a huge jump. Is that on your mind at all when you're out there?
6: Yeah, the, um, the money component's not really on my mind. You know, it's it's an exciting opportunity to play against the best players in the world. This year, we're going to have that opportunity a lot more with these elevated events. So this is only our second elevated event this year, our first one being in Maui. And... Um, I think it's more of a great challenge for all of us, um, you know, than the the financial benefit, you know, at least the way that I'm looking at it. It's uh, it's going to be quite something, you know, I think this week to have all those great players here and um, coming down the stretch in this crazy mm-hmm. atmosphere, I think it's going to be a special week to watch. Tony, speaking of big challenges, the U.S.
0: looking for its first win on European soil in the Ryder Cup since 1993. I've called you a lock for that team. I imagine you'll be in Italy, Marco Simone. How do you do it? How do you win on the road?
6: Yeah, well, we have a great start. You know, my first job is just try and get on the team, make sure I'm on the team. You know, I'm. um, That's a big goal of mine, as well as a lot of Americans. So I know there's a lot of young guys coming up, and um, you know, it keeps me hungry, keeps me sharp. As as now, one of the older guys, which is crazy to say, because in 2018 I was. Uh, one of the younger guys when I first played. But um, crazy how times have changed uh, just in a handful of years. But, um, you know, I think we have a great group of guys that are hungry. Um, we all have one goal, you know, going over there, and that's that's to win and bring the cup back from from Europe. It hasn't been done, like you mentioned, since 1993. We all know that. Um, so I think it's going to give us that extra motivation to um, to hopefully go over there with um, a lot of excitement, but
1: um, a lot of courage just to, just to bring that cup back. Well, I'm not going to wish Tony luck in Rome, since I am European, but we wish him luck this week, and hopefully he adds to some of the theater we see out here. Thanks for joining us, Tony. Yeah, thanks, Damon. I appreciate you guys.
4: Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play?
1: It's a home game for one of the hottest players in the world this week. We're going to hear from the world number three, John Ram as the ASU graduate tries to school the opposition here at the WM Phoenix Open. And we'll take you inside the Coliseum at TPC Scottsdale, that's the 16th hole. Some people embrace the Lions, some get eaten up, no one is neutral. And a mini tour legend is in the house here, Andre Metzger. He just Monday queued into the field here in Phoenix. A feel-good story Scott today rolls on.
0: star of the show this week, arguably, the par 3 16th hole at the WM Phoenix Open, TPC Scottsdale. Tell you what, it's starting to fill up. The fans getting a little loose, you know, not crazy loose, but just starting to kind of give us a little bit of a hint on what the rest of the week is going to be like in the Valley of the Sun. You got a big football game here, that kind of thing. It's a great golf at this designated event the WM Phoenix Open what a great perch we have Damon Hack alongside Amy Lynch of Golf Week Magazine and you know there's going to be a lot of people here and a lot of noise the golf course I think is underrated I think because of the build out and the the aces that we've seen here maybe slightly overshadowed is the quality of this Jay
1: Morris Tom Weisskopf design Well, it does what every tour venue ought to do which is be a great stage for great theater. And we've seen that over the years. Long before we had these kind of build-outs around us now that we do on 6C, you know what it was like here in in Tiger's Ace back in the day when Andrew McGee made an Ace on a par four on this golf course as well. We've seen great moments over the years here, and that's what Tom Weisskopf and Jay Morish did when they built this golf course back in the 1980s. It is that definition of a stadium golf course. It's set up for the fan-viewing, Experience and it's seen a great deal of great drama.
0: Fantastic finishes: Tony Finau versus Webb Simpson, Hideki Matsuyama versus Ricky Fowler, J.B. Holmes versus Phil Mickelson. I mean, there have been some wonderful duels
1: here. Not to mention, a long ago, Tiger Woods' ace on this very hole as well. Can you imagine what the noise would be like if Tiger did an ace on this hole now with the theater that we have now? Because this kind of like feels like an arena fight. Yes. In here now, and this decides an awful lot of what happens. Here. Uh, this is what keeps guys away, and it's what keeps guys coming yeah. back. Is the idea of, do you embrace what you see here, or do you fear it? Mm. And I think there are plenty of guys on both sides of the ledger. Most guys, I suspect, are somewhere in the middle where they tolerate it.
0: Need a thick skin to play successfully at the WM Phoenix Open, especially this hole behind us. And I tell you what, the strength of field this week, it is remarkable. We've talked about it. Eight top ten players, that's the same as 2001. But check out the top 25 players this week. 22 the previous high was 16 in 01 and then last year and then top 50 players 37 in the field compared to 31 back in 2001 since the inception of the OWGR back in 1986 so what exactly is a designated event these are 17 of the 47 events on the PJ Tour schedule this season these are the events with elevated Purses, $20 million, field commitments from the tour's top players. Part of this was all about getting the best players playing against each other more
1: and more often for larger purses. This is the second elevated event this year, Damon, after the Century Tournament of Champions. And here are some coming up after the WM Phoenix Open. Next week in Los Angeles, the Genesis Invitational Tigers event. Then on to Arnold Palmer's Invitational at Bay Hill in March, followed by the players. And then eventually the WGC Dell Technologies Match Play in March. So we're seeing month after month, we're seeing a, an increasing pace of these designated events where the best players in the world are going to face each other. Are you a fan of it so far or are you still waiting to see what happens this week? I mean, so far, so good. When I know that I've got Rory
0: and Rom and Scheffler and Thomas and the best players, Tony Finau, side by side shoulder to shoulder it does mean something it, it this is what i think in some ways has lacked on the PJ tour it's just the knowledge that these players will be there i imagine the sponsors are very happy you wrote a very interesting column though on kind of what the the designated events mean big picture that maybe a a, a more distinct line between the haves and have nots is there a
1: danger when the getting is so good as it is at a designated event? The politics behind the designated events, I find, is really interesting because there is a consumer-facing side to this argument, which is fans want to see the best players week after week or as often as the tour can produce them. That's simple enough. The internal dynamic on the tour is that these guys want to get paid more. Mm. And it's very hard to get paid more if you have full-field designated events because a lot of the elite guys will just see too many players they regard as journeymen who are eating up a part of the pot. And that's eventually going to be an issue that has to be addressed. Should designated events be full field events? What, what's the happy number? Right now there's 135 guys in the field here in Phoenix. There were just 39, 38 in the field at the Century Tournament of Champions. Yeah. That One was too low, one's probably too high if you ask a lot of the elite players here. And that's an ongoing discussion in the tour right now among players and tour executives as to what is that happy medium when you move into 2024. It doesn't matter this year because the tour announced that because the designated status was so late in the going that it wasn't going to impact any of the field sizes for 2023. Right. 2024 is a different story. My guess is from what I'm hearing, you're gonna see something that's somewhat similar to the old WGC totals, which was somewhere in the high 70s, low 80s as a field.
0: i tell you what, having covered WGCs and I enjoyed some of them, There was a little bit of a lack of jeopardy and a lack of tension with no cuts and limited fields. This feels big. There's a build out here. It's a larger field than those old WGCs. So I think going forward for television, for the fans, for the PGA Tour, they're going to have to kind of find that happy medium because you don't want a big time event to feel sleepy. This does not feel sleepy, it never feels sleepy, but you wanna feel like there is some jeopardy with all of the money that's being earned by these players. You don't wanna cross the line where suddenly, well, it's just kind of like a a place for the fat cats to hang
1: out. You want jeopardy, you want tension, at least I do. And that jeopardy is gonna be a key to how these events work in 2024, because what I've been told by people I've talked to is that there will be cuts, Mm. even in more limited field events. Even if it's just 80 or 85 guys, there will be a cut. The key is everyone will get paid. That's Mm. under discussion right now at the tour level. It's In some cases, just a nominal amount of money that they'll get paid, and they'll forfeit the right, obviously, to compete for, for bigger purses going forward in the tournament. But the idea that they will be rewarded by being there and then fight through a 36-hole cut and move forward. But you can't lose sight of the money that's at stake here. And we can take a look at what the actual payout is here, just that's been divided among 135 guys this week in Phoenix, $3.6 million to the winner. Compare that to last year, when the designated events didn't exist. And that's an increase of more than $2 million. Even down in 10th place is worth more than twice what it used to be. So the money, as you point out, Damon, is is extraordinary there has to be a, pr- a certain amount of jeopardy that goes with it it's yeah. not a handout it's still got to be earned to some extent because that's ultimately where these events draw the line between what the pga tour is putting on and what live is putting on is mm. the money is not guaranteed you still got to earn it
0: still got to earn it i think it's a very very important thing you say and if you are a tony finau if you're a top 20 player I mean, my goodness, they're paying attention to those dollars. I, I talked to Steve Dalby, coaches Troy Merritt, Sean O'Hare, players who want to be in that ilk on the top 20. And Troy Merritt is in this field. And, and believe it or not, the players are talking about it. They are aware of the money. They are aware that to be inside the top 70 and to be inside the top 20 in this era of PJ Tour Golf is an incredible place to be.
1: And if you're standing on the tee of this hole on Sunday afternoon and you're in contention and there's a check for $3.6 yes, million hey. dollars waiting a couple of holes down the road, yes. you're going to feel it a little bit more.
0: No doubt about it. Coming up after, we're going to dig in a little bit deeper on the 16th hole here at TPC Scotts. They'll take you inside the, the hole. George Savarikas is actually inside the stadium to show us what the players will face this week. A lot of that guy. Tell you what, this field at the WM Phoenix Open grew by three yesterday. The Monday qualifiers, Andre Metzger, Brett White. Brett's going to join us tomorrow. Dalton Ward, three career PJ Tour starts. You know, not a lot of people at home know these stories. These are the, the underdogs fighting their way onto the big stage at the PGA Tour level, including Andre. Talk about a mini tour legend, 14 wins. That's a couple touchdowns and the extra points <laughs> on the Dakotas Tour, five career PGA Tour. Canada starts 27 on the Corn Ferry Tour. This is the first career PGA Tour start coming up this week. Worked as a pizza delivery guy, Caddy at Whisper Rock. This was his reaction to Monday qualifying, basically in his backyard. Congratulations, man! Home, home tournament, kind of. Really Uh, home. I mean, it's like ten-minute drive from my home, home. I mean, that's a nice part of it, right? There's a financial aspect. You get to save some money Uh, and stay at home.
7: Yeah. The problem is, I don't have any money to save, so this is really good. (laughs) I love it. I love it, Andre. Thanks, man. Hey, brother.
0: And Andre Metzger joins us now, buddy. We're sitting here at the WM Phoenix Open. You know, stones throw from your house, but you had to beat. A field of 93 if you
7: get in, what's that stress level like? It's pretty, it's pretty high stress. Uh, Honestly, it's just trying to calm yourself down the whole day, I feel like, and stay relaxed. Um, Luckily, I've been through it. I've been beat down enough times that I learned enough lessons.
1: Andre, the Monday qualifier world is famously brutal, and you can shoot low scores out there and be sent home with your tail between your legs and and no money at all. Did you, you shot 65, did you think that was going to be enough to get you here?
7: No, I, you know, I, I thought I was going to go into a playoff. I missed a ten footer on 18 that I hit the putt perfect, just misread it, and uh, I really felt like eight was what I was searching for in uh, my two practice rounds leading up. I shot seven both times, so I felt like, you know, you wanted to do one better, and uh, I can't believe it's a low. It was a low round. I really couldn't. The the. I will say this, for McCormick Ranch, those greens were the fastest I've ever seen them out there. The pine course, right? The pine. Yeah. And it looks way different. I grew, up, I grew up playing out there a lot, and uh, a lot of the trees that were on the front nine are gone. They lost like 400 trees. So it looks easier. Visually it does. And I remember the days where you had to shoot 9-10 to get in, but what they've done is they put some really tricky pins out as far as just over the you had to take some chances to get close I'll mm. say that.
0: What's the self-talk like the final few holes you you have an inkling maybe I'm close maybe I'm not like what are you telling yourself or, or, or your caddy at that point?
7: I I didn't do a caddy. You didn't. did it? No no I, I got into the 3M by myself Okay. so I, so I you know, I had a couple guys that wanted a caddy. I was like, listen, I, I know how to do this. I can do this myself. So you are talking to yourself then. I'm talking, literally talking to what myself. What are you saying? Running through this. Uh, you know, honestly, I didn't think didn't think much. I, I was just far enough away from my number that I was kind of like just needed to keep making birdies. And when I birdied uh, 16 and 17, I was like, all right, you know, I, I can tell now I'm, I'm starting to feel nerves. Once I feel nerves, I know I'm doing something good. Um, and then to all of a sudden, you know, on 18, that was probably the easiest hole on the course. I hit a great drive, kind of got hosed a little bit on it, but uh, to to make that par hurt, felt like I was one short. But I did feel like I played good enough to get into a playoff. Mm-hmm. You're often referred to as a mini
1: tour legend, and Damon just showed us the statistic where you've won 14 times in the Dakotas Tours. Do you know
7: how many mini tour events you've actually won in your career? A 35 is what we're we're pretty close on I, I at one pretty point close, time, but you yeah, don't know exactly well I we took the time I want to say last year or the year before to find out exactly And I was exactly at 32 we we it took a while to figure it all out and since then in the last year I think I won at least three or four times so I, I'm guessing 30 I know he I'm thinks 35 he won three it's or like four Tiger Tiger probably doesn't remember how many yeah, tournaments he's yeah, won I, you know everybody I don't deserve all that praise I appreciate (laughs) it but uh, I've done what I can do that's for sure. What's kept you in the game you've done everything to keep (sighs) competitive delivering pizza catting for players who you're better than. Yeah I'm I'm sure what's kept you going at age 41. I know you know I I feel I've tried to retire like three times Uh, it seems like the second I start kind of moving on um, you know golf gets easy again you know because I don't. You know put all that extra on myself and next thing you don't know I'll be playing Wisp Rock or Silverleaf and the guy's like no I'm not going to let you retire. So (laughs) I've been so blessed and so fortunate that I'm still in it um, to where I don't think uh, you know I don't think I had everything off the start to feel like I had all the opportunities to where you know I'm sour towards myself or or down on myself. I'm just really appreciative that. that I'm still going right now. You've talked a lot about the support you've received from your
1: father-in-law, family members, from friends. Have you gone through your career where other people have more faith in you than you have had it yourself at some oh, points?
7: I'd say that might be my whole career, honestly. Oh. The, uh, I, I mean, relentlessly, everybody, you know, really gives me high praises so often, and I almost don't know how to take it at times, you know. it's 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 like well if I'm really that good then why haven't I done this or that and you know when I get in that mode you know it's just it's more destructive so I you know I just hang on it I I believe what they're saying I I I believe in myself or I wouldn't still be playing Um, I've just got to take that belief to the next level and I you know I've never done that so I don't know what that takes but the good thing is you know I didn't win a, a mini tour event until I was 30 years old and since then I won 35 or 36 so so once I figure this out I, I think I'll be ready to go. We talk about guys and, and gals fighting for status, fighting for their
0: cards. You're a boxing officiato yeah. from what I understand. Yeah. What is that background of you, a Mike
7: Tyson fan? What's your boxing love? Well, believe it or not, my dad's actually in the National Wrestling Hall of Fame. One of the greatest wrestlers of all time. So I grew up with as tough as it gets and and uh, but you know he's, he's he was so good. The higher you get, you you understand how to be uh, real supportive, you know, constantly lifting you up. And then if if I'm sloughing off, you know, beat pounding you back down. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I feel like this game is designed to beat you down. And you try and enjoy as much as you can when you win. Uh, there's been many times when my wife's like, "Hey, you just won. We got to celebrate." Where I'm like, "Man, no, I got to get ready for that." You know, mm-hmm. so so I've got an incredible supporting. You know, cast behind my behind me that I get to talk to a lot. They're constantly pumping me up because uh, I'm guessing that I'm more that type that kind of beats myself down. So they feel the need to do that.
1: This is obviously one of the designated events on the PGA tours. A 20 million dollar purse out there, 3.6 to the winner. How difficult is it for you to separate the playing goals or the scoring goals from what the potential payday is like?
7: That's, I think that's kind of the whole thing. I think that's what, what uh, Monday qualifiers dealing with the most is not, it's more the, the, the distractions and the things that get you off of your, your focus towards what you're trying to do, you know? And, and uh, best examples, both like 3M, I told my wife, you know, this is what I'm gonna do, and I went super focused on, on getting into that. This week, you know, I, I, I went over to the Bahamas, played, ter- played terrible. Wasn't used to the wind, but it made me make some corrections as far as taking off some curve off my golf ball. So I worked really hard with a good focus over the last week and a half, and, and, and it paid off. So, you know, if I can get my focus and direction in one path and keep it from diverting, which is so easier said than done, I think I'll be fine. You know this golf course? I do. You know golf in this area? Yeah. The
0: air, the cacti. Uh,
7: what is your goal for the week? To win. Yeah, baby, yeah, that's what I'm that's, talking about. That's my goal. You know, I don't I don't think uh, any goal beyond that, I, I think those will all take care of itself if the more I can stay focused on the number one. What about the distractions here? Do you
1: Are you going to embrace something like I this? Can't you're going to
7: be the local hero. Yeah, yeah, I, can't, <laughs> I just can't wait. I, I was in tears last night actually just thinking about some of the moments I could be going through uh, emotionally, you know, out here, you know, 16, 17. Even, you know, I went through my whole winning on 18, you know, and, and I hate to tell you, if I've got a three-shot lead, I'm hitting three-iron over there to the right. Because <laughs> I went through that whole play. So, you know, I'm just trying to stay in the moment. Just stay focused, you know, because in the moment's hard, you know, and that's, that's what makes these guys the best of the best is they know how to do that. Obviously a great golfer, a
0: great personality,
7: maybe TV in your future. I mean, uh, don't rule it out, man. Uh, You're very good at I the d- desk. I don't know. I, d- I doubt it. but <laughs> I'm up for it. I can always retire a fourth time. That's no doubt. Sure.
0: No doubt. Well, have fun this week. You've earned it. Thank you, sir. I appreciate Andre it. Andre Metzger on for this sure. Tuesday. Coming up, folks, a closer look at the hole he's going to be playing on Thursday. At the 16th hole we will take you inside the ins and outs of this great little par three. That's next on Golf Today.
2: Golf Central Update brought to you by Callaway Golf.
0: Welcome back to Golf Today. Flashback 2015. Young John Romm as an amateur ASU. And I tell you what, he made a run on the weekend, ended up finishing tied for fifth. Actually, his best finish in the WM Phoenix Open for the two-time Ben Hogan Award winner. ASU in 2015 and 2016 his results here TPC Scottsdale, fantastic finishes all of them but there you see that best finish eight years ago as an amateur from Barica, Spain and because he comes in on such great form has won four of his last seven worldwide here you go the odds on favorite our buddies at points bet sports books a plus 800 for John Rahm to keep the pot boiling, one of his favorite places on the globe. And taking a look of, of late, he just continues to, to hoist trophies, find himself in contention in October, winning the Spanish Open. And very important event for him. He patronizes his home country event. He says it carries the unique pressure, being often the highest ranked player in the field to go ahead and win your national open. And then he finished the year winning that DP World Tour Championship. Great trophy, by the way. I'd probably like maybe lean it somewhere near the fireplace, maybe get some get some shine on that trophy, have it really sparkle and light up the, the living room. And then, of course, get a little get back, a little revenge on Maui after finishing just short last year to Cameron Smith, gets the W this year at the Century Tournament Champions, and he wasn't done. American Express. Wife Kelly, the kids are there as well. John Rom chasing that world number
1: one, currently the number three player in the world. And this is a pretty hot streak he's been on, as you noted, know, Damon. And here are his last seven worldwide starts. Nothing worse than a tie for eighth and four victories. It's time now for Meet the Press. John Rahm is in the media center.
8: It's always good to to stay at home for a tournament, even though it's it's a little different to the dynamics we usually have, right, being in a hotel and or not being in a hotel. Um, besides that, the, the best part is just being comfortable, right? It's not like I'm um, overly having to try to learn a golf course or get familiar with the area. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's a lot easier, a lot less stress um, to deal with it. So very comfortable, very happy, looking forward to continuing the good play and hopefully showing up Sunday with a chance.
4: Uh, Going off that, you're looking for a win here, make an eighth start, but um, have finished T-16 or better in all of them. Um, What about this course suits your game?
8: (laughs) I think what I just said is more than the golf course, right? Also, being in Arizona State, I'm plenty familiar familiar with um, uh, desert golf. So uh, it's just a place that I'm comfortable on, right? Um, It's also a a course that – at first glance it might seem easier than what the scoring usually is Um, with the scoring conditions getting uh, as hard as they get on the weekend with the firm greens and fast ball striking obviously is a premium right so I think that's always given me a chance to stay up there Um, haven't really had a chance to win coming down the stretch my best showing was when I was an amateur and even then I had a great back nine to put myself in fifth place so I'm. I'm hoping come the weekend. You know, I've done a good enough job to to go to that back nine and knowing that I have a chance to win it.
4: Perfect. With that, we'll open up to questions with the media. If you have a question, raise your hand. We'll get a mic over to you. We're going to start with the mic all the way here in the back. Dan Rappaport.
7: John, it feels like even before this tournament became designated or elevated, uh, with just how unique it is, it, it's really emerged as one of the premier tournaments on the PGA Tour. I'm wondering, among players, where does this tournament rank
8: among ones that you kind of want to pick off before you're done? I think this was a designated event before we even knew what they were going to be. No matter what the purse is, this tournament is going to be what it is. Uh, very few sporting events in the world can comfortably be happening the same week as the Super Bowl and still have the impact that they have like this one. Uh, with that said, I don't think it's everybody's favorite. Right? I think either you love it or you hate it. You either want to play it or you don't, so there's no in-between. Uh, in my case, I love it. I want to come every year. Uh, it ranks highly in my, in my list, but uh, I know a few people that would put it very far down their list, so uh, I, don't, I wouldn't know what to say. Because they just don't want to deal with all the hectic and the craziness? Whatever it may be, yeah. Um, I mean, since I came first time eight years ago, can't believe it's been eight years um it's it's gotten exponentially louder and louder and louder right it's been a significant difference every year so I get it I mean on 16 last year when Justin Thomas chipped in I didn't want to see a sunny water bottle coming straight from my head from the third story but I did see it so those are the things that hopefully they can rain back a little bit on and and keep it <laughs> strictly about the game um but Again, those are also the things that maybe people don't want to deal with on a, on a regular basis. Uh, again, it's one week a year, so I think a lot of us welcome it for one week.
4: And then we'll keep Mike in the back. We'll go here at Ben Eberle. Hey, mate. You just you just talked about how you know it's
1: a Super Bowl week. Um, everything's usually happening here. This is also a betting state. Um Fans can legally bet here. Do you think that the on-site activations both here and what they're building across the road, etc., give another level for fans
8: um, to sort of get excited about? I'm not going to lie. I know very little about gambling. Uh, I don't like gambling in that sense. Uh, on the golf course with friends maybe because I have some control over it. But uh, I don't do the sports book or DraftKings and things like that. Uh, so I can't – I don't know what's going on. So uh, I really don't think – I mean, I'm pretty sure that was going on before it was legal, so I don't think that's going to change much.
4: And over here, MK with CBS. Hey, John. Um, you had mentioned this being a home tournament, and I'm curious if you have any normal live specific day-to-day routine that you're excited you get to, to enjoy this week while teeing it up.
8: <laughs> uh, sleeping in my own bed, big, big plus. Um, this is waking up at home. Right, and knowing that your home is, I don't know, something relaxing about it. Uh, you know, morning and nighttime routine with uh, with the kids in hotels, sometimes you're not always in the same room. Or, you know, it can be a little bit more hectic. They're comfortable with it. It's very easy in that sense. So uh, there's little things. Knowing that there's certain restaurants that I can go to and, and know I'm going to be taken care of. Being a, a server ambassador and living at serverleaf knowing that I can go to the club and, again, have a, a relaxed afternoon if I need to. Um I feel like I have a few more ways, a few more outlets to kind of R&R if I need to throughout the week more than a, a regular and where I don't know the city well.
0: World number three, John Rom, always thoughtful uh, with his answers, I feel, in the media center. What did you take away from what he had to say?
1: The fact that he referred to how comfortable he is here twice, how he referred to that it's a low stress week mm-hmm. for him, how he embraces what he referred to as the craziness here. Others stay away because it's not to their tastes. He wants to play here every year. This is a guy whose game is in top notch and he's playing a golf course on a tournament where he feels extremely comfortable. That ought to be somewhat worrying for the bookmakers that he's not paying any interest Yeah. To be right now, but certainly his fellow competitors as well. And he probably knows that there are
0: some players here that may not be as comfortable with the mayhem that he is. And I also found it fascinating, he said it's even louder exponentially compared to 2015
1: when he first played it as an amateur, that, that's saying something. And it isn't it a little off-putting in a way or a little strange to hear a guy like John Ram who seems to work on a knife edge when yes. he's playing off, he's, he always comes across as tightly wound, he's a fiery guy, he would be the kind of guy you'd think with the theatrics out here would be kind of thrown off a little bit more, maybe mm. a little less tolerant of, of some of the antics out here, but he actually embraces it and I guess that's the truth of playing a TPC Scottsdale. The more you embrace it, the less likely you are to be bothered by yeah. people. It's when you come across as not being particularly interested or a little standoffish with people, well, then they're, they're
0: just going to pile on. But I also detected just a little bit of, of a caution flag from, from John Rahm saying he didn't want to get a designing bottle to the head, of, for example, if there is an ace at some point this week, because we, we do see debris Cans, bottles every now and then thrown on under the ground. So even while he embraces the environment, he doesn't want it to kind of tip over that edge where it just becomes total chaos.
1: And he did point out that he hasn't actually ever really been in contention with a chance to win here. Mm. His fifth place finish came on the basis of a good back nine on Sunday. So if John Ram is in position to win, it'll be interesting to see just how much of a theatrics He's willing to put up with yeah. over those last few holes because it really is. There is a lot at stake here. And for guys like John Ram, when you're playing for history, you're playing for world number one rankings that you think you ought to already have. Yes. Then, and you want to beat the best guys in the world, almost all of whom are here. That's, there is a lot at stake on Sunday. So you, the idea of being distracted or diverted from your pathway by, by someone at a party. That that might wear a little bit thin for John. That's a great point.
0: And Phil Mickelson, I think, is a good comparison to bring up. When he won here or was in contention here, he won 16 times at ASU. John Rahm won 11 times at ASU. Should John Rahm find himself in contention, I would think this place would go cray-cray, as the kids say.
1: Well, it's going to be cray-cray anyway come the weekend. And when we come back, we're going to take a little tour of the 16th hole. And we try to find somebody who knows a little something about partying in Scottsdale, George Savarikas. He's going to lead the way coming up.
0: Animal House with John Belushi. Tame by comparison, the 16th hole, par three. 13th toughest hole last year. Scoring average a shade under par. A couple of aces. Sam Ryder, as you know, and Carlos Ortiz as well. For more on the 16th hole, let's welcome our good buddy, George Savaricas. George, what's it like for the pros to try to navigate the gauntlet that is the 16th hole? Damon it's funny if you you took pros in the PGA
9: Tour plopped them here on the 16th hole in say October it's really not much of a challenge of a par three they're hitting a wedge nine iron maybe an eight iron I'd say 80 to 90 percent of the time they're making par or birdie there's no hazards here there's no real atmosphere fast forward to February Super Bowl weekend here at the WM Phoenix open insert 17,000 well watered fans and it completely changes things and you forget you're coming off a risk reward par five at the 15th then it's the walk through the tunnel and you can hear the noise and you're like a gladiator entering the loudest hole in professional golf. The hole can play anywhere from say a buck 15 this week at the WM Phoenix open to if they wanna tip it, have the tee back, pin back, you're at 160, 170. So the guys are hitting anywhere from a seven iron to a wedge, they know with the adrenaline, they're gonna hit it five to 10 yards further than they normally would because of the atmosphere. That's for the returning players, the veterans who have experienced the 16th hole before. What about the rookies getting their first taste of 16? What do they expect?
4: I'm actually pretty excited. I feel like I play better um, just with crowds in general. I um, wouldn't say a lot of crowds are usually following me. They're kind of the bigger groups, but I mean, 16 is going to be full re- regardless, so um, I think I'm just excited for that. I'll be amped up and probably have to take that into account a little bit for sure, but I'm, I'm more excited than nervous or anything like that, so it's, it's going to be a fun experience.
8: I'm going to Breathe, um, try and calm myself down, but I know I'm going to be nervous. Uh, Probably club down. We'll we'll be excited, and uh, I think we'll check the wind before we get there, and if there's anything, if there's even a little bit downwind, we're definitely going to club less. Kind of hard to prepare for, for sure, but, um, you know, you kind of, I guess, have to treat it as white noise and just focus in on uh, your process and um, just executing a good shot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love that. It reminds me of basketball. i Feel like I'm completely prepared for that hole and uh, I love the rowdiness of the people and the noise and I think it brings a great aspect to the game of golf.
9: And if you're Taylor Montgomery, you've been riding a heater so far this season on the PGA Tour. So you got to be excited with where your game is at and what you're going to see this week at the WM Phoenix Open. Damon and Eamon, I thought you guys did a good job breaking down what we heard from John Rahm, how he embraces the atmosphere. It seems like the guys who welcome it seem to thrive on 16. The guys who let it overpower them
0: or overcome them. Those are the guys who think it's too much to handle. Well said George Savarikas in the belly of the beast here. <laughs> at 16 it's so calm, still calm right now we know it's only gonna get louder how about this stage this venue i mean we've been here since monday our show began today with a little helicopter flyby, and now we just got that ambient noise starting to
1: slowly ratchet up it really is and it doesn't get any louder than right here and it's so interesting to hear guys talk about this particular hole as though it's a real gauntlet that they have to run because if you take away all of these stands the hole is nothing it's, it's right. not something that concerns these guys at all it's purely the atmosphere, and uh, the closing holes here tend to test different things as they do at every tournament, Damon. I, I would argue 18 tests your nerve, you are trying to yeah. fit it between the water and the bunkers. 17 would test your decision-making clarity. This hole is purely a test of mm. your focus mm. and, in a way, your patience. What are you prepared to tune out or what are you going to let get to you? And that's why th- this hole adds great drama. It's nothing to do with the actual execution of the shot it's the noise around it and the noise that you let into your head even I've hit this green day
0: sure TPC Sawgrass has its own devilish par three Augusta National of course number 12 this creates its own atmosphere I have to be honest I loved the hole the first time I came here then I kind of thought it was a little bit too loud now I love it I I feel like the game of golf is better with this type of venue, this week especially, it just, to me, it feels big. On a little cart ride over here today, you can see the build-out of the stadium on, on 16, but also 18 and 17, they have their own vibe as well. This entire property is alive and buzzing, and I feel like if we could have a designated event
1: in the Arizona desert, opposite the Super Bowl, why not go all out here at 16? And as we saw earlier in a conversation about the strength of field here, we've got more of the top 10, more of the top 25 and more of the top 50 than have appeared at this tournament in 22 years. So all of the big names are here. How they adjust themselves to the challenges here that are both in terms of execution and in terms of concentration, it's gonna be fascinating to watch. There there never is a dull Phoenix Open.
0: And and don't you think that professional golfers in this era where they're buddies with Steph Curry and they're buddies with J.J. Watt and and big time sports stars from, from across the spectrum they're going to embrace this. I mean, you, you can't tell me John Rahm doesn't view himself as, as a J.J. Watt or a Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he views himself as a big-time stud athlete,
1: so it's a chance for the golfers to kind of feel that energy and that vibe that imbues those other big-time sports. Steph Curry doesn't demand silence when he's standing on a free-throw line, and whoever's trying to kick field—look at me with the football references here. But ah, you're you're rolling, Whoever's trying you're rolling, to kick buddy. a field goal— Uh, the weekend in the Super Bowl they're not expecting quiet so they're going to laugh at golfers who are demanding this kind of cathedral hush but that is the culture of golf it is this kind of respectful Mm. silence and that doesn't really exist here and that's to me is the most intriguing aspect of the tournament who can adjust to what the challenge is this week not what they want it to be yeah I
0: think the first timers they, they may think they know what they're getting into the Davis Thompson's the Taylor Montgomery but there's nothing like the 16th hole at TPC's Scott's Dell, Can- where's our camera? Where are you?